Well, again, happy Advent to you this uh, fourth Sunday of the season. Uh, also, uh, the fourth and final sermon in our Advent series, uh, Songs of the Savior, uh, where we have been in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapters 1 and 2 over these past uh, four weeks together. Uh, we've been considering four songs that Luke records around the birth of Christ, uh, that very first Christmas. So far we've heard Mary's song, then Zechariah's song, uh, last week the song of the angels, uh, this week Simeon's song. And that brings us to our passage today. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. If you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, you'll find it on page 857. Let's take a moment to pray before we hear God's word. We come to you this morning, and Lord, we ask that you would, as has already been prayed, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might see Jesus, Lord, that you would fill our, our hearts with hope and with joy, that you would meet us wherever we are, whether we are riding high in expectation and excitement or whether we are having a difficult time, Lord, would you meet us and would you change us by the power of your gospel? And it's in the power of the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to be focusing on verses 25 to 35, but I'm going to begin reading in verse 21 for context. And then also just to give you a, a heads up, at the, the end of our passage, verse 35, I'm going to reorder the last two phrases uh, to help us better hear what's actually being said. So now I invite you to hear the word of God uh, from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. 
and then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. The word of the Lord. It's given to us for our good and for his glory. And so let's turn to it now. So the scene before us, a familiar one. Mary has given birth to her firstborn son. Uh, Now Mary and Joseph go up to Jerusalem. They go to the temple. They go for a couple of reasons. uh, To make a, a purification sacrifice and to present their baby boy to God. And it's here in the temple that Mary and Joseph encounter this old man, this old man named Simeon. And so that brings us to our passage, verses 25 to 35. And today as we walk through uh, this part of God's word, we're going to consider it in in three parts. Uh, Simeon, song, and sight. So first we'll, we'll look at the old man Simeon. Then we'll take a look at the song that he sings And finally, we'll consider how he sees Simeon. Let's begin with the old man in the temple, verses 25 to 27. Let's reread those verses. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Now, we don't know much about Simeon. In fact, what we've just read, what you have in front of you, there's really nothing else known historically about him. The text implies that he's an old man. Given that he speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit, the the Bible presents him as a prophet. His character is highlighted, uh, referring to him as righteous and godly. And it says that he is waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Verse 25, Simeon longs for Israel's deliverance. He longs for God to comfort and restore a broken and oppressed people, his people. In other words, Simeon is waiting for the coming of Christ, the Lord's anointed one. And he is waiting because, verse 26, it had been revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I want us to think carefully for just a moment about one key word in verse 25. And it's the word waiting. Simeon is waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the coming of Christ. Now, if you were here last week, you heard uh, Matt Garrison as he was preparing to lead us in music and song to our God. He shared about a colleague of his, a friend at work who waits tables with him. And it was late last Saturday night after the restaurant had closed that the two of them had a very long conversation. The friend shared with him that, saying, I wasn't always a junkie. I don't want to be a junkie. I'm waiting not to be. 
And then Matt rightly put it, isn't that all of us? We're all waiting. We're an Advent people. Not just during this season of Advent, but an Advent people all the time. Waiting for the arrival of a Savior. Waiting to be fully delivered from sin and sorrow. We're all waiting. Waiting for something. Waiting for someone. Simeon's waiting, though wearisome at times, was full of joy and anticipation. He was waiting on someone he loved. He was waiting on someone he knew loved him. Simeon was waiting on God, resting in the truth of God's promises, the truth of God's salvation, a salvation worth singing about. And so let's move on. Song. Let's move from Simeon to his song. And as we take a look at the song that he sings, we're going to consider it in two parts. There's the traditional hymn, Uh, found in verses 28 to 33. And then there's a tragic postlude, uh, verses 34 and 35. So the traditional hymn, uh, picking back up, verse 28. Simeon took the child Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon's heart soars. He sees this baby. He scoops this child up into his arms. He is looking at Jesus. God's salvation, light of the world, and he knows it. And he sings to the glory and praise of God. Hallelujah. As one commentator describes it, these verses tell a story. They tell the story of a servant who is instructed by his master to keep watch through the long, dark night on a high place, to wait for the rising of a special star, and then to announce it. After wearisome yet expectant hours of waiting, he at last sees the star rising in all its brightness. He announces it and is then discharged from keeping watch any longer. Well, in this case, God has called Simeon to watch and to wait for the star of salvation, the rising of God's Son, Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon sees Jesus, and he knows that he has seen the face of God, that he has seen God's salvation, that he has seen the bright morning star, the rising of God's Son. And he sings, Jesus, a light. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Verse 32. Yes, this baby. This baby in Simeon's arms wasn't just for Simeon to see. Or only for the Jewish people. But for everyone to see. 
Simeon's song, as Philip Ryken puts it, takes the gospel and makes it global for all people. Simeon has good news for the whole world. God's salvation is for all peoples, plural. Well, one more thing uh, before leaving this part of Simeon's song. Did you notice how it begins? Verse verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In January uh, 1996, uh, my grandfather died. Uh, Granddaddy was was 94 years old. Uh, We were very close. I had learned a lot about the Lord from him. And I remember sitting by his bedside as he was dying. And I was sad. I was so sad. I saw his body racked with pain. But at the same time, I saw a soul that was so at peace. And and I remember asking him, Granddaddy, are, are you ready to die? And he said yes. That he'd seen Jesus. That he was ready to go home. Well, for Simeon, the coming of Christ had one very important implication. It meant that he was ready to die. He could go home. And this is why he begins his prophecy with words of dismissal. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now some of you know this traditional hymn of Simeon is often referred to as uh, Nunc Dimittis. Those are the, the Latin words, the first words of the song in Latin. Now you are dismissing. Because remember, Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And now Simeon had seen him. He had seen the Lord's Christ. He had seen Jesus. And he is ready, verse 29, to depart in peace. He's ready to die. Well, as for Simeon, so for everyone. The only way to die in peace is to have truly seen Jesus. God's desire for you and for me is that we would not see death before having seen the Savior. All of us will face death. All of us will taste the sting of death. But until you've seen Jesus, you're not ready to die. And so that leads us to the tragic postlude of Simeon's song. So here, after this traditional hymn, the traditional hymn of his song, comes the tragic postlude of verses 34 and 35. Hear these words again. And Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph, then he turned to Mary, his mother, and said, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Simeon has sung of God's salvation. He has sung of Jesus. And Simeon knows too that the Savior would only accomplish salvation 
through a sword. Not wielding a sword, but dying on one. From Christmas to the cross, Simeon knew that was the way it would unfold. He knew that this baby was born to die. He knew that this child was for confrontation and crucifixion. Jesus was born to confront. To, conf- to confront sinful hearts of sinful people. To expose our need. Our need of a Savior. Jesus was born to be crucified for those sinful people. That we might know forgiveness. That we might know the forgiveness of sin in a restored relationship with God forever. As the Apostle Paul so profoundly puts it, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And yet Simeon knows that not everyone will receive this offer of salvation. As theologian Michael Wilcox states, there will be those who will speak against this sign of God's love that has been offered to them, for it searches men's hearts. And some will be scandalized by a salvation which can only be achieved by way of the cross. Some will fall. Those who are proud and arrogant, unwilling to admit their need and thus ultimately rejecting God's forgiveness in Jesus. Others will rise. Those who are humbled, those who are repentant, who recognize their need and receive God's gracious gift of salvation, of forgiveness in Jesus. Again, the only way to die in peace is to have truly seen Jesus. God's desire for you and me is that we would see him. God's desire is that we would see, and not only see him initially when we first come to faith, but also see him continually as we walk, as we live by faith. And so we move from song to sight. Sight. Of course, that brings the question before us, have you seen Jesus? I mean, have you really seen Jesus? If so, have you seen him recently? If not, have you been looking? Have you been waiting? The heart of this passage is verse 30, which becomes an exclamation point in the context of verse 26. It had been revealed to Simeon that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then verse 30 My eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. Again, God's desire for you and me is that we would see, that we would see Jesus. But, like me, you probably say, if if only I had been there. If only I'd been there with, with Simeon and seen him hold this baby and declare who he was. If only I could have seen Jesus in the flesh. If only. But think about it for a moment. Mary and Joseph that day go to the temple. There are hundreds of other people there. 
Hundreds of other people, 2,000 years ago, in this temple, on this particular day, hundreds of other people see Mary and Joseph walk in with a baby. Hundreds of other people see Jesus. And yet, they don't really see him, do they? That's because they weren't looking. They weren't waiting. They weren't waiting to see the Savior. A couple of years ago, at our Presbyterian uh, General Assembly down in Virginia Beach, one of our uh, guests for those few days uh, was an Anglican pastor named Rico Tice. Uh, he lives in, in England. I got to spend some time with him. Great guy. And he, he shares the story of when he was meeting a, a friend of his in London uh, for lunch. The friend was going to treat him to lunch at a very nice restaurant. And Rico arrived at lunch, or the, uh, the restaurant was on the second floor, and so he walked up the stairs, went and checked in with the maitre d' and found out that he had arrived before his friend. And so he walked back down, partway down the stairs, onto a landing, a pretty decent-sized landing with a large window where the sun was shining in. He thought it would be a good place to wait. A few moments later, a young man showed up, uh, walking up the stairs, uh, not uh, Rico's friend, but this young man went up the stairs and obviously did the same thing and checked with the maitre d' and arrived before the person he was waiting on. And so the young man went back down the stairs partway and uh, came to that landing and the two of them you know, exchanged a glance and a greeting and then like us guys do, just kind of stared at the ground. <laughs> a few minutes later, someone else arrived and they were bounding up the stairs and said, William, good to see you. And the two of them began walking toward the restaurant, up the rest of the stairs. And as it was at that moment, as these two men were walking away, that, that Rico realized it was Prince William. It, all he had seen was this young man with thinning blonde hair and a nice smile. But do you hear what happened? Rico saw William, but he didn't really see him, did he? He wasn't looking. He wasn't waiting. He wasn't waiting that day to see his future king. Well, for us today, just as for Simeon, the issue at hand is actually not physical eyes, but rather spiritual eyes. Spiritual eyes. Uh, Paul speaks of this in Ephesians. The eyes of our heart a lot of times we, we refer to that also as the eyes of faith. Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened, that you could see. Well, notice that Paul prayed this. Paul asked for this. And just as Paul prayed this prayer, so too we must pray it. We must ask that the eyes of our heart would be opened that we might see. We must ask that the eyes of our heart be opened if we really want to see Jesus. It is the best gift that we could ever ask for. It is the greatest gift that anyone could ever see, could ever receive, to have their eyes opened that they could see. And here's the thing. The eyes of our heart are opened by the Holy Spirit, just as they were for Simeon. The eyes of our heart are opened as we come to the living word 
Jesus through the written word, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. And then with Simeon, according to God's word, we're able to declare that my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Well, in three days, it'll be Christmas. If you could have anything, if you could have anything for Christmas, you just ask for it. You could have anything. What would you ask for? Really, what would you ask for, honestly? You know, as I, as I thought about this, that question these past few days, I, you know, I realize I have to confess, even though I've been in this passage, my wish list has so many things, things that I think about all the time, if I just had that, I really need this. I really want that. And if I had it, my life would be in order. I'd be content. I'd be satisfied, if only. Simeon really wanted to see God's salvation. He wanted to see Jesus more than anything else. Because he knew that if he did, he knew that if he saw him, that his heart would be truly satisfied. But it's hard to wait, isn't it? It's hard to wait. I mean, ask your kids, especially if you've got small kids in the house and there are already gifts under the Christmas tree. It is hard to wait. Well, as we wrap up here, I want to return for just a moment to that word we considered earlier, waiting. The whole idea of waiting is we, we talked about we're, we're all waiting. We're an Advent people. And we're waiting for the coming of Christ, ultimately, for the return of the King. And so the question is not, are we waiting? But rather, the question is, how? How are you waiting? What is your posture of waiting? Because there, there are really two types, two types of waiting. Think about it this way. Many, if not most of you, have had to wait in an airport before. Uh, some of you may be on your way here. Uh, but you think about it. You're, you're at an airport, and you're waiting to pick up. You've been sent to pick up someone. But let's just say that it's a, maybe it's a business relationship. You don't know the person that you're picking up. Uh, so it's impersonal. And you find out there's a delay in their flight. Ugh. You begin to get frustrated. Maybe you even get angry, bored, fatigued, apathetic, but you're, you're definitely not expectant. Resigned is more like it. Okay, that's one type of waiting. But another day you're at the airport, and you're waiting to pick up someone you know and love, and there's a delay. Uh, I remember when Heather and I were dating, and uh, I was... Uh, living in Colorado, uh, she was finishing up school in, in North Carolina. And I remember arriving at the Denver airport, uh, excited to, uh, to pick up my beloved, and found out there was a delay in her flight from Atlanta. Now, was I disappointed in the delay? Yeah, I was disappointed. But at the same time, I was still expectant of her arrival. In, in fact, because I was so in love, and still am, the anticipation increased 
with those passing moments, as I watched the boards giving the flight status, it, it increased, it intensified, because I knew that she was on her way. One way or the other, I was finding joy in the promise that she was coming. Simeon's waiting, though wearisome at times, was full of joy and anticipation. He was waiting for someone he loved. He was waiting for someone that he knew loved him. He was waiting on God, resting in the truth of God's promises, in the truth of God's salvation. And it's a salvation worth singing about. It's a salvation worth waiting on. And the truth is this, waiting like that, it grows. Waiting like that only grows as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so what are you asking for this Christmas? What am I asking for? Brothers and sisters, let's ask. Let's ask that we might see Jesus. And then let's wait. Let's wait expectantly as the eyes of our hearts are opened and as, as we anticipate with joy the promise of his return. For he is coming back. Amen? Amen. And so let's ask right now. Please join me in prayer. Oh, Lord. We do pray, as we have these last few weeks, and, and hopefully as we pray often. Come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Do not delay. But as we wait, Lord, would you, would you grow us in the knowledge and intimacy of who you are with you. Lord, that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you to see you, Lord Jesus, and that you would fill us with joy and expectation as we wait. And we ask it all in your name. Amen.